Hello, you are listening to The Empowerment Project. I'm Nicole Dargi, and I'm a yoga teacher and empowerment coach for women, men, and teens. I teach yoga, I take women on retreats, and I help teens realize their self-worth. And we are here today to uncover the truth about what is happening in men's mental health and their vulnerability at this time of change in the world and find out what we can do to understand and help support this need for men's empowerment. And this week being Men's Mental Health Week, we are joined here by Craig Ball, who is a men's mental health practitioner and with nearly 20 years working and is vastly between the corporate and in high schools. And Craig holds a psychology degree and specialises in this thing called Rational Emotive Behaviour Therapy. Never heard of that before. So amazing. And he has more recently discovered his passion for change management where he initially discovered this in the Australian Army in Afghanistan in 2012 and is passionate about creating a transformative impact on men's mental health. Thank you so much, Craig, for joining us today. Welcome to the Empowerment Project. Thanks, Nicole. So good to have you here. Yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. So I just wanted to ask you, um, I've been following you for a while now and I've equally as fascinated with your work on men's mental health as I am with your stories of the the time you spent in Afghanistan in the army. Tell, tell our listeners a bit about your background and how you came to be involved as a men's mental health speaker. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's a long road, I have to admit, um, and you did sort of cover the timeline nicely. It's been roughly, I guess, 20 years um, getting to this uh, spy, space, if you like. Um, I joined the Army uh, in the 90s, uh, the Army Reserves. I saw it as a way out of what I'd chosen to do, and as I used to tell kids when I used to speak in high schools, I used to say to them, um, I probably should have chosen way back then, but I was never to, to know that the outcome wasn't going to be favourable. I should have chosen a better <laughs> set of goals, and hence why when I talk goal setting, I discuss that. I'd chosen to work in hospitality, um, and I set myself an outcome of goal of becoming a, a bartender. And when I got there, I realised it wasn't all that hard, and that I needed to set my goals a lot higher. Um, and I was working in smoky rooms back then. You could smoke in bars, and I, I came across some guys who had been members of the 1st Commando Regiment and uh, what they shared with me was exciting and it sounded great. These guys were dormant at the first bars I got a job at and it sounded really interesting and I thought, well, what's my future? Otherwise, I'm working in smoky bars and it's not going great. So I thought, well, let's try working for that. And so that was my first thing that I started working towards uh, shortly after. In 2000, I met uh, an entrepreneur who I then started working for in 2001. Awesome. Uh, my role was to develop myself as a professional speaker. Um, I managed to do that um, and picked up a whole bunch of gigs in high schools. And it kind of went from there. I, I didn't take the reserves any further initially. Um, I thought I knew better. I thought I could use what little exposure I'd had to the army to, uh, to empower other people. And, and as I'd empowered myself in that part of that process, um, but as time went on, uh, beyond that, I realized I needed to do more. I needed more of a life experience and to have done things. I always regretted not going to East Timor in 2001 with the 4th Battalion, who I'd trained with um, uh, for commando selection. And uh, I, I realized, well, look, I've only got a certain amount of time and I really should move on this. So in 2006, I re-signed up again 
full time. But in that space between 2001 and, and developing my speaking, I was continually building and working on the craft. Unfortunately, a country like Australia is not as easy as I would imagine the US to be, or certainly not the sure. same opportunities for speaking. And so um, I exhausted as many avenues as I could, um, got to the point and thought I need new, more life experience, went away, uh, did a full time contract in the army. Um, and as luck would have it, my past caught up with me. I, I ended up getting offered to go to the um, 4th Battalion again as a radio operator. I, I changed trade models from I was a, uh, uh, in, a grunt or infantry as a reservist. Then um, I'd done a little bit of time with radio operators. And I wanted something fairly, you know, I was hoping to be a little bit easier on my body as I was in my 30s by that stage. Turned out to not not exactly to be the case. Uh, carrying sixty kilos around wasn't uncommon on my first deployment. Wow! Um, You're back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's why we had that conversation today because we're standing, which I think is really cool. But oh, it's great this space standing up. It's like we're at the bar. Yeah, it is. It's it's kind of it's very it feels very social. Um, and so I did. I, I had a I was hoping to get deployed, and I got deployed. Um, uh, as part of Alpha Company, Second uh, Commando Regiment, and then um. I then deployed again a couple of years later as part of Delta Company. And it was in that second deployment that I uh, got the opportunity to um, mentor the partnering force who are Indigenous Pashtuns, which is the largest tribal group in Afghanistan. Um, and they were all handpicked to either relatives or very close relations to the local um, warlord who became the police chief. Wow. Long story, yeah. And um, but we built some fantastic relationships in that period, um, and it was just wasn't just learning and development. It was uh, project management. It was relationship building, stakeholder management up to the rank of general and potentially higher if if that wow. had gone that way. But also all the way down to the person who peeled the potatoes and the guy in the queue store and everybody in between, and 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 helping, getting them, encouraging them to help this effort that I was trying to get going to get these radios to work and. Uh, long story short, uh, we finished up six months later. I'd found the right guy to mentor and he got the radios to work over 200 kilometres away and prior to that they hadn't even gotten to work outside the fence. So there was a lot of negotiating and coercing and, and encouraging. And um, I loved that story, listening to so that story. It's, there's a whole other podcast story in itself, absolutely <laughs> it amazing. Lost in translation and oh. the way that you were able to uplift with them and their culture and what they learnt from you is amazing. Well, it was it was went both ways. It was, and I think one of the nicest things that uh, I, a bit of feedback I got at that point, I had a, um, I worked very closely with interpreters, and they were all Afghani by birth, but American citizens typically, so they could hold the security clearances they needed to work with us. But um, one of them said to me one day, he said, "You make it really not only easy when you choose the words for me to interpret when you're presenting and doing your." classes but you not only make it easy for me to interpret but you you take on board them and you don't make it sound like you're talking down to them you make it sound like you're trying to empower them and I had no idea I was even doing that I was just like I tried to go off the first few things I ever said when I introduced myself and I said look I'm a guest in your country and I'm very grateful to be here because I got fascinated after my first trip towards the end of my first trip over there in 2010 I was fascinated by the local culture and the people because you're out in it so often. And I thought, and when I heard that there was a radio operator position going, I thought, wow, that'd be so interesting. And as luck would have it, um, my wife tells me I'm incredibly good at manifesting. I manifested that role to come back and got offered Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And just like we've manifested to be here to have these conversations in this, Indeed. this is fantastic. Well, this is following on from a goal I set myself earlier this year, which was a podcast a month. 
now to be on. And so this gets us to this part of the year, six podcasts or similar. There's two things that aren't technically podcasts I went on, but they're live video live stream. So it's almost a podcast. Yeah, it counts. (laughs) Um, And so long story short, uh, came back, had this incredible experience. So I wanted to do more with it. When I got um, back, I thought there's no way the ADF is going to give me that opportunity again. I knew Afghanistan would probably have another 12, 18 months left in it. And I, and I was a, a private uh, digger, signaller, and I knew that, that getting that sort of responsibility again probably wouldn't happen in my career. So I thought, what outside will give me that? And I was a member of Bondi Surf Club. Yes. And it was through um, just through talking to people there that uh, one of the mums at the surf club said, oh, you're looking for change management. And so I just followed that and met people along the way. And um, one of my best mates to this day from back in those days um, a guy called Sean Nicholson uh, was a project manager at Telstra at the time and he introduced me to heaps of – we met through a group called Defence in Business um, and we uh, we discussed it and, and he introduced me to a bunch of change managers and helped me line me up for my first proper change role uh, and I haven't really looked back. I've, there's been ups and downs um, and that's been just as big a learning curve as the military was um, at times but, we've you know, I've gotten to the point now where I've created a fantastic career out of that and – I spend a lot of my time whenever I get the opportunity to mentor mates getting out and help them to see because how they can turn what they think they're doing or what they think they're capable of into so much more. And the military really sets people up so well to do a range of things. But change management is certainly one of those things that they can do. Um, But there's nobody at transition seminars saying, look, you've just about to graduate just by manner of the fact that you're leaving this organization and you're still alive and don't have got all your limbs and everything you've got you're graduating a university of life and if you take those lessons and do something with them you can create incredible things um and and just seeing how some of my mates who have already gotten out and what the entrepreneurial things they've done are just amazing and not entrepreneurship is not everybody's um bag and it's not everyone's uh place that they're working towards but some of these guys are out there doing incredible things and there's no no reason why anybody leaving the military can't do it do that kind of stuff so what a great transition into being civilian as they say <laughs> indeed well <laughs> that thought, thankfully I, I think i was um like i was 33 when i went full time so i was already the person i was going to be and there was no, there was no way the military was going to change me that much uh enhance i think in many ways um there were obviously difficulties um and i'm happy to talk about that but if I take the whole seven and a half years of my full-time career in the military, the positives way outweigh the negatives. Um, and, yeah, there's so many amazing things that came out of it. So um, I'm just really grateful. And uh, one of the one of the big pluses is my friends today who I served with are people that I would otherwise have called my heroes, and that's pretty awesome. It's incredible, Craig. It's so awesome, very inspiring, you know, you. to hear that you're surrounded by such great people. And, well, that's, that's just incredible. Um, I really just get a sense that you've, you've experienced so much, not only in the military but also with your experience as a presenter and speaker in mental health for men and uh, working with kids and um, working in corporate as well. Tell us how you, your journey of um, holding the space for men and mental health and helping them at this time because you've come a long way, you've done a lot of things and where you're at right now is very interesting and very poignant, I believe, in terms of where we've gone from, from women's empowerment on women's mental health to now the spotlight 
and the pendulum very much swinging to, to men's mental health. And I really believe that at this point there's a really big focus on that and I'm a huge supporter and I'm very passionate about getting the message out there for men who are struggling and um, going through their own personal issues. As we know, the statistics are uh, for male suicide, it's, um, it's the age 17 to 19 age gap is very high and also around the age of 45 and also one in eight men will experience depression and one in five men will actually experience anxiety and men are three times more likely to die of suicide than women. So I'm sure you are aware of these stats. Um, tell me tell me a bit about how your experience has been in this area and what you've seen that goes on out there for men and, you know, how you help men in this area. Um, yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, I've heard those stats and the last one I heard was 17 all the way to 45. 17 all the way to 45 it's the biggest girl like it, it kind of depends you know i'm sure that all the stats are true and relevant that i come across but wow it's a it's a big one and um i've lost to date in the six years since i've been out of the military five mates to suicide so sorry uh thanks and it's i've it's driven more so what i've been doing i mean i, I when i first finished high school my first course because i had a father that wanted to push me um, to do something, I had no idea what I was going to do, like probably a lot of kids. And the first thing I thought of was um, let's become a youth worker and that ended up taking shape again to becoming a welfare worker. And I studied at TAFE for four years very part-time, but I kind of got to the point towards the end of it where I realised that wasn't the way I could. I felt I could be most effective. But sooner or later throughout my life, I always wound up on a counselling course of some sort. Um, once I started working for the, um, for the entrepreneur that I started working for back in um, early 2000s, I was on a hypnosis course. Next thing you know, I'm on another course. And before too long, um, I found I wound up um, reading everything I could on REBT. So rational motive behavior therapy has really become a philosophy. For me, it's a very much a lifestyle philosophy. It's a, it was designed as such. Um, a lot of people will be familiar with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Um, and rational motive behavior therapy is the original cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and I personally believe it's a lot more effective. Uh, I came across that. The entrepreneur that I was uh, working with came back from New York with a box of books. He said, you've got to read everything you can on this. And I had a friend at the time who had been a psychologist. And he said to me, it is a fantastic foundation for anything you're doing with self-improvement. Um, I then went forward with it. I found a course on it, went and did the course. Um, by that stage, I'd read about nine books. I continue to read on it as often as I can. Um, and it's been transformative for me. I had a budget back then to be able to investigate the whole self-improvement industry, which I did. And this is the only thing that's stuck and the only thing that's really made, added up for me and made sense and has actually helped me through the difficulties of, um, of well, as I like to say to people, I put these theories and ideas through a trial by fire, if you like, through two deployments of Afghanistan and the difficulties of all of that. Sure. Um, and have able to come back out the other side. But I think one of the things I've truly been blessed with is I've had this, I don't know if it's a gift, I don't know what you'd call it, but I consider it to be a gift from the people who, who confide in me is that I find a lot of people confide in me, um, seem to be able to confide in me quite easily and I take that very seriously. And um, uh, unfortunately, some of them, we, I never really knew what was going on for them uh, until it was too late. But um, I've, when I was coming to the point um, of 
redesigning my career and getting out of the military and I knew that change was going to be part of it. I knew speaking had to be part of it. That's something I've always, I've done since those early, early days and I'm very passionate about. I didn't know what form that was actually going to take, but I've always had this philosophy and therapy as part of what I present on. Um, and then since as I transitioned into change and I got asked, oh, what else do you offer by one particular group uh, who were the fleet, uh, the fleet maintenance depot of the XPT train, which yes. yep. uh, for people interstate, it's our big diesel fleet and it's uh, very old and it, they run it very, very well, these, these um, ladies and, and men. And they said to me, what else? I was rolling out a, an SAP rollout, which is a um, big computer system that runs the back of everything or a software implementation. And they said, what else do you do? Because they weren't all that interested in what we we're rolling out. And I said, oh, I'll run a resilience course. They said, great. Um, uh, do you want to run it twice a day for the next five days? This was just before their uh, health safety week. I said, yeah, no problem. And I um, had to show up every morning at 7 a.m. And there's a bunch of guys standing around with high vis and, you know, all ready to go and, and, and work. And they weren't really they were like, who's this guy? What the hell is he doing here? And I had to try to sell them on coming along. A uh, couple started to show up and before the end of the week, uh, the course was full. And um, six months later, I got a, an invitation to show up to a barbecue. They're having a celebration of um, 200 days of no lost time injuries, which for those people who, who don't know, uh, if you work in the blue collar environments, lost time injuries are a huge deal. And to have achieved uh, for a significant number of people, no lost time injuries for 200 days is a huge achievement. And um, I got out there and I was just having a bit of banter with the guys. So I developed some pretty good relationships there. And um, the guy that had, uh, was the head of the health safety committee took the award. He was the one who invited me out. Um, and first words out of his mouth when he got the award were, was, I'm sure everybody here would agree that Craig's course has made a significant contribution to helping us achieve this. And I could have fallen off the chair. Wow. <laughs> it was such a huge humbling. Like I was yeah. just, I couldn't get over it. I just really, because back then, I'm a big believer, I've become a believer in, in finding your why and yeah. I can tell you a story about how that came about. But yeah. prior to this, I hadn't really found my why. And so these one and a half to two hour courses, I was I'd put in so much energy into them, I was drained and I'd carried myself home after two a day, I was not much left of me. And uh, to have that come back and have them do that was probably on par with the result I got in Afghanistan and the feedback I got from the uh, wow. one of the platoon commanders of the um, partnering force that they just appreciated it so much. Very tough audience. Yeah. Don't care if you're there or not. Yeah. You better prove yourself pretty quick. So, um, and as I've as I've continued, I decided, well, I'm going to focus on men because they were almost entirely men that group. And I thought, let's let's work on our off our successes and try to duplicate that further. Um, and so. Uh, that combined with the mates that have taken their own lives and particularly the, the most recent one in October last year, which was particularly hard to get past. Um, I, had, I had a range of things going on at that stage um, and I, it's just driven it. And we started the seminar business last year, had our first one just before COVID and everything stopped. It was a free event. Yes. Um, and then we had to cancel the other three events we had coming up. Um, and I've driven it online and I've, I've learned through friends that have done a lot of work and know a lot about the different marketing strategies and so forth. Uh, one of them whom put me onto this guy who was teaching you how to build your tribe online. And I followed all that and it, my product out of that was the Men's Mental Health Transformation, which is a men's only group. And I get to do lives whenever I want. I, I add free, heaps of free content and I'm really working hard to get guys either involved in that or if they're already involved, 
to help each other and, and support. And it's it's just been okay. a phenomenal experience so far. So that's that's on Facebook. I've seen that. And what is it called? Just for everybody listening, it's the Men's Mental Health Transformation. Men's Mental Health Transformation on Facebook. Right. Thanks for that. Um, Wow. Okay. So you've only fairly recently been impacted by this very raw subject. Mm. I'm so sorry to hear um, that, Craig. But it's been ongoing for the last uh, last six years. Every so often I'll hear something and be like, oh, dear, or or whatever. And it followed on from um, my time in defense. I mean, I used to turn the radio on and listen to the news to work out. Sometimes you'd know oh, something's happened. I'm, I know I'll be on funeral duty this week or I'll know I've got, I'll get called up or something will happen. It was very much uh, on the front foot a lot. And um, I thought getting out, things would probably ease up, but they you, they haven't necessarily, no. Okay. So sounds to me like you're doing everything you can. And um, But I'm, what I'm curious to know is what do you think has been the biggest causing factor in men's mental health issues at this point in time? That's a really good question. I would say a culture of keeping quiet, not okay. talking about it, is probably one of the biggest things. Um, and also the the we're encultured to think one of two things you either bottle it up and which of course uh, and that sort of old school male culture makes you a wimp or rage out and yell and scream about it and hit a punching bag or do something like that and that, all that does is encourage you to be like that so that over time you know you you incline to do it more and, and perhaps in inappropriate ways so um there is a third option um and most people aren't fully aware of it and they, they don't know which way to turn so that's why I'm a big advocate for um, the rational emotive behavior therapy stuff. I know other therapies do offer a third option, but um, the third option is is probably one of the most powerful things that you can ever um, ever instill. Tell us more about it. <laughs> how do you how do you do this? Are you is it in a group? Is it a one on one? Is it you know is it a course that people undertake? You know particular practices tell us about it okay so um uh it's a couple of ways that it works and you can do it at one-on-one as a group you can use it to coach yourself as well um and the third option effectively is challenging your thoughts and behaviors okay it starts with that it's it's a lot there's some really simple stuff about it and as i used to say to some audiences when i'd finished presenting and they'd they'd stare at me when it was their turn to do it they'd, they'd be like this and i'm like it's okay, <laughs> all right? It's simple, but it's for some people it's very profound. And you've also got people who once they find out what it is are, are going to sit there a bit frozen thinking, yes, everything I've done to this point in my life a mistake, which is obviously not the case. So there's a number of things that people can do straight away to start um, bringing, uh, giving them the opportunity to do this. And one of the biggest ones is getting away from black and white thinking. So the first people thing most people think when they think about taking – responsibility for their own emotions is blame yes it's the most common thing and the problem with that is the two ends of a spectrum okay blame is um shuts things down blame actually prevents you from changing because if you if you start blaming things you're talking about what i would refer to as an absolutistic or an end state that is damning something and if you're damning something to that point that's all there is it's not a growth mindset um, belief and it's not helping you to actually move forward and grow um, the way it's done, and, and it's similar with CBT, although I, um, I prefer rational motive behavior therapy or REBT because I personally think it goes into a lot more detail in certain areas and makes um, a distinction between healthy negative beliefs and unhealthy negative beliefs, okay? Things can't be positive all the time. There is negativity around, but sometimes those negative beliefs can be healthy and sometimes they're not. When they're not healthy, that's when you need to, to act and work on them. 
Um, unhealthy is, you know, getting upset because someone cut you off in traffic. Uh, sorry, healthy is just getting upset by that. Sure. Unhealthy is driving, them, following them for 300 kilometres and, you know, when they pull over, getting out and bashing their window in or something, you know, like that's unhealthy or anywhere in that spectrum past a certain point. Um, so it's really, they all follow, many of the cognitive therapies follow what's known as an ABC model um, where you've got activator being what happens or what occurs um, and consequence being the C of that um, as in X happens, you know, this happens at A, I feel bad, I get angry, I get upset. Consequences typically come in two, um, two forms. There's a third form, but it's typically, you know, you feel something and you do something, okay? Yeah, sure. um, emotions, negative emotions typically don't just happen, okay? But what the where, the where it becomes an ABC model is there's at B, there's a belief system and it's a belief about what has just occurred that leads to the consequence. But it happens so fast, you can't always tell. Yes, yes, so true. So what you're saying is what you do, what this therapy does is it helps you to take an inventory of these beliefs and have a look at that and give yourself the opportunity to reassess and then make a different choice. Yes, but that's to make a different choice is one part of it. Making a different choice, it's also accepting the fact that everything is a choice. Some people, some people take on their conditioning as that that's just reality, but it isn't. You choose your own reality. Your words shape your own reality. Hello, another podcast right there. Indeed. <laughs> one, of our, one of our biggest, um, biggest uh, mistakes that we make, and it's, it's common because it's, I mean, it's, if you get back to the, the point that it's often been said, and it's quite rightly so, that human beings are irrational by their very nature. However, we are capable of rationalising and becoming rational. And effectively what a third option entertains is, rationalizing the situation out and it can pull the information it can pull the negative energy out from underneath you to the point where you're like oh that's not such a big deal anymore um and so we overgeneralize between ourselves and our the things that happen to us that's probably one of the biggest things and that's probably one of the biggest drivers of the self-esteem movement is that self-esteem is a conditioned self-acceptance Right. And Albert Ellis, the guy who invented rational motive behavior therapy, liked to call self-esteem one of the greatest sicknesses of all kind of all time. Despite that, a lot of self-improvement zealots like to tell you to boost your self-esteem, increase your self-esteem. Self-esteem is good. No, it isn't. It's a magic bullet that never delivered and never actually helped anybody for all the things that it claimed to help. So it's basically like everyone who wants to be the bliss bunny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Plenty of them out there. Plenty of them. God bless them. Um, yes. <laughs> Um, but here's where I think that there's some real great potential right now and, and getting back to sort of timeliness. Things like are you okay? If you can accept yourself unconditionally, if you can bring in, start to learn and accept yourself unconditionally and accept others unconditionally, being in a space of, of unconditional self-acceptance, and I'm not asking people to like themselves here, you know, this whole self-esteem movement starts to get, where's self-love? How about you just accept yourself first? Because a lot of people out there, they don't like themselves. They're, there's a lot of self-destructive behaviors. But if you can accept that you are all you've got, and that's kind of the reality as well, then it starts to give people that space to be able to, to breathe a little bit and start to work on things. And that's usually the first thing I, I get people to work through is uh, understanding that self-esteem is a significant problem. It, it's part of our language. It's part of how we think and feel about things. And to actually start, well, to, not so much to start, to stop, 
overgeneralizing between things. So if we overgeneralize between our successes and failures, so we overgeneralize that when we succeed at something, we are good. Okay, yes. it becomes like a global rating, and it's it's easy to do. You you do something well, people come and encourage you, slap you on the back. You know, you're a legend. What happens when you fail at something? What happens when things don't work out? And there's a lot of stuff I've seen in the men's space as well tell you that everything's your fault. Well, how is that possible? It's not even remotely possible. Mm. It's not your fault. And that's just how it is. I mean, I, it, it, it brings in blame. It enters, brings in all these, these concepts like blame that just hold people back. Um, and often things don't work through no fault of your own and you can't foresee every possible solution. Um, but if you stop overgeneralizing between those things, it's okay to be unhappy when things don't work out. That's what I was getting back to before about healthy negative emotions. It's okay to be unhappy, but it's not okay to beat yourself up, okay? Because what happens when you start beating yourself up and blaming yourself for this is that you start going, okay, well, stupid is as stupid does, if you sure. want to quote Forrest Gump, and you yeah. start calling yourself all these things. Well, how do you think you're going to act next time? You're going to act in accordance with what you claimed that you were. So if you just claim that you just are you – a fallible, worthwhile human being, and that this didn't work out. Well, that's okay. It's not not what I preferred. And if you can start to, people, some people don't like this because it, it starts to, if you reduce the melodramatic language that you use, and things stop being devastating, they just start being unhappy or you know not great or not what you wanted them to be, um, and things are not life changing. They're just great. It's nice. That's okay. You know, if you can start to bring those things, that when things go wrong, you start. If you stick to those boundaries, you start to develop a lot greater emotional freedom and your overall level of okay starts to go up and up and up over time. You're capable of much greater happiness in your life if you understand how to work with this. And then normally I would share this with you with a whiteboard and, and illustrate it in such a way that people can take things away a lot easier if they're watching it. But it's that's the sort of the crux of the basis of what I like to take people through. And then you start to then work through the A, B, C, D. It's A, B, C, D, E is the five components that I get people to work through. Simple. If people can remember the first five letters of the alphabet, they've got this knot. Simple. Yeah. Simples. Fantastic. Yeah. I love the sound of this therapy. Um, all right. So I just want to ask you another important question, which is close to my heart. Being a mother of a teenage boy and also, um, you know, having a father, having a partner, having all these beautiful men around us who are struggling um, at any different point in time in their life, what can we as women do being family, partners, wives, mothers, what, what, what can we do to support struggling men in this way, you know, from a man's perspective, from your perspective, you know, having worked with men? Um, listen without judgment. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things. In order to encourage somebody to talk, they've got to, you just got to be able to listen and not judge and be there for when they are ready, if they're not ready right now, know that there's not a, never a good time um, and listen, just just listening is huge. Um, encouraging, you know, supportive, be as supportive as you can. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite blessed. My wife's amazing, so. I can concur with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but just remember that nothing's perfect in this world and nobody is, it's not possible. Perfectionism is great, but it ruins everything and achieves nothing, so. Perfection is flawed. Indeed. It's probably okay for cleaning. <laughs> but that's about it. You know, it doesn't really help anybody. And so nobody's going to be perfect. And sometimes you're going to hear things you don't want to hear. Um, 
put it as about as simply as I can. You're going to hear things you don't want to hear and thoughts, but don't try to understand them through your paradigm. Seek to understand it through your partners or that male in your life through how they might be thinking them and realize that if they say something, it doesn't necessarily mean the end state of whatever that might be. It's just how it is right now. And that's okay. And you need, we all need to get away from blaming. We need to get away from, especially concepts like shame. If you accept people unconditionally, I went to a men's group early on um, when I started researching this field a little bit and they started trying to shame people and it got around and you have to sort of admit something you hadn't done or whatever. It got to me. I said, I don't believe in the concept. I think it's damaging. And they said, no, this is healthy shame. I'm like, there's no such thing. There's, I agree. There's absolutely no such thing. And if you accept people unconditionally and, and yourself likewise, it's just opens things up to grow. Absolutely. And I think women also feel like that, you know, they, they want to fix or they want to help or create a solution rather than actually just listening, as you say. And I think it's beautiful that you say this whole concept of, you know, seek to understand first before you can be understood. You know, the old Stephen Covey, it's not bad, yeah. is it? The old seven heavens are highly effective people. <laughs> <laughs> Rewind 25 years, that was me, yes. Mm. Uh, but it, so, it still works. And it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great um, credo to live by, isn't it? Um, so this is this is all beautiful. Everything you've just been talking about, and the listeners out there, the, the women and the men who are listening, uh, you know, this is all really good golden nuggets for them to hear. And tell us a little bit more about the other thing that you do called reclaim your power. Um, um, yeah, thanks. Uh, so what I've done is with Reclaim Your Power, it's our, um, our seminar for men uh, and it's taking the lessons that I've learned over my whole, probably my whole adult life, I guess. Um, and we teach, uh, as part of that, I teach the Rational Motive Behavioural Therapy Framework. I get the participants to coach one another to learn the basics. And we, my, um, my, my mate, uh, George, who's um, my MC when we do things, whenever he can make it and um, he likened the approach that I have to the military where you take the simplest, most basic part of this and teach that. Okay, everyone got that piece? Okay, now we're going to introduce the second piece and we just slowly work through it where you partner up with somebody. I take you through the ABCDE framework. I talk all about it. I get people to start thinking at least walking into the water with me as far as considering accepting themselves unconditionally. And then we work through the, um, the approach to, uh, to of the ABC model where first of all, sit next to somebody and say, okay, identify something that's happened recently that's greater than seven out of 10 uh, in terms of emotionally disturbing, stressful or upsetting. And just identify what you think triggered it. So what the activating event problem or thing was and the consequence. So how you felt and what you did. This can be different for everybody, but if we took the example of public speaking, you get asked to public speak by someone who you can't really refuse easily, so like a boss or a father figure or somebody that you that you care about. And if you're the sort of person who hates it, um, which I find myself as one of these strange freaks who doesn't, but if you're one of these people who hates it, um, what are you going to do? What happens? So you get quite nervous. You might get sweaty palms. You might start to sweat. Anything could happen. People freak out at these things. So that's an example. And then you then move on to the next phase of asking a very simple question. And the simple question is not to be underscored, but it's when this happens, you felt this way and acted this way because of what? 
Another classic example I've already used, but I, I use it a lot with people is driving. You know, someone always cuts you off in traffic. We've always had road rage or, or likely to explode into that. So, and by saying because of what gives us an indication and a window into what belief it is. So beliefs come in three types. We can be categorized pretty easily in three types. There's probably thousands of beliefs, but the beliefs that trigger or that, that actually cause your emotional upset can be categorized as either beliefs about yourself, beliefs about others, or beliefs about the circumstance that you find yourself in. So it's usually one of those, but it could be all three. And it could be, and now what we're getting into is a concept called psychological interactionism, okay? Not to go down too far a rabbit hole into this, um, but to take people through that approach and understand, okay, well, you know, I'm angry about myself because I'm, I'm think I'm going to be useless at this public speaking opportunity. I'm angry at that person for asking me, you know, and everything's going wrong on the day I'm trying to get there, for example, which is the worst, which for you is the most upsetting. Okay, well, it's, it's about myself. I think I'm not going to do a good job. Great. So, and you then start to, to un- help people to understand these beliefs are actually rational preferences. It's, it's quite normal to have them. We've all got things we'd prefer happen. We'd all prefer people treat us with respect. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm happy with if I get someone shows me respect once a month i'm not really that big on that need but some people you know pay a lot of money to be disrespected it's a it depends on who you are but <laughs> thanks uh, that always works for some reason you are um, hilarious. but there's uh, um that's but that, you know and, and sometimes you're triggered in such a specific way now sometimes you can be slapped about the face and nobody cares but sometimes you, your preference to be respected can be triggered in such a way that you demand that it becomes a demand and and the, the four there's a really great book that I've interviewed the um, the author Daniel Fry it's called the four thoughts that fuck you up and he goes into REBT quite specifically and um, you can get that on book depository I don't know you know I'm, I'm not making a commission but it's a fantastic book the four thoughts that fuck you up are the four ways that you respond with those beliefs those beliefs manifest in one of four ways but we all demand we're all demanders but you could have a number of other things and so it gets you to explore those but once you realize that the, this is the belief I want to work on, what you actually start doing then, and I only just, the penny just dropped on this one for me recently, you then start planning your next response. So the next time that comes to you, going through this process is actually planning your response next time. And if you've got a plan and you've thought it out and conceptualized what you're going to do, you're so much more likely to respond differently next time. So then you go on to go, okay, well, um, the main work of it then becomes disputing and saying, well, where's the proof I need to feel this way? Where's it written in stone that, I must be respected every single time, you know, who's who's to say that that has to happen? Of course. And then E becomes enforce your preferences. Of course, I'd prefer to get respected, but what's the reality of that happening? You know, even people that have achieved incredible things in society that most people respect can do things that we don't respect and, and don't always get the respect that perhaps that they're owed or, or, or deserve. So that's just reality of life. So accepting and developing a reality-based perspective brings you back to the ground again and accepting helps you to... And- Developing, developing a reality-based perspective. A reality-based perspective. Hello, <laughs> light bulb. I really love this concept. Um, so the people that come to your course, the men that come to mm-hmm. your course, they get to explore this. Yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff we do, but this is the first big piece that I get them to take them through because that is the philosophy at the basis of everything. So that then follows through. There's been, well, even by the two most prolific authors on this subject, there's been over 50 books written by them alone each. There's a lot of books on this subject. And 
Um, but what I take, I take them through that first, not only that, but it allows them, if, we've, if they've learned to coach themselves and each other through effectively, they've learned to then clear their minds a little bit and clear out, especially if they've chosen something pertinent to them going on right now, to actually clear their heads a little bit before we move into the, you know, the, some of the additional stuff, which this all um, adds to over time. So, yeah, it really gives them a stopgap if you like. And if um, and on shorter programs, if I if I just deliver that and coach them, then they're more inclined to want to come back or work on some other things because we've they've given them that gift of able to actually work out their their deal if you like, and through that craziness that we all experience from time to time. It's so important, so important for men to have that mental clarity, right? Because half of the stress is being that whole monkey mind and as you were saying those three things and you know you can get really caught up in your mind and this sounds like it really cuts through like a laser yeah that'd be a pretty good way of saying it sounds brilliant wow okay and so this is very empowering information and this is great that you're out there doing this work but what's happening politically at the moment in terms of, you know, as I was saying before, the pendulum has really swung to, towards men and I really believe there's a need for that. What is the national men's strategy for supporting men right now that you know of? Um, I know that there's some work being done um, and there's probably some government initiatives. I'm not fully across that. That's probably something I need to, as I move forward, move to more in. Um, I'm looking at um, reaching out to those I can help. My, um, my approach um, in addition to uh, the seminars and, and the online mentoring that I'm developing at this stage um, is to, um, to help back military groups uh, particularly. Um, I'm a big believer. One of the things I probably learned most of all in the early days of the welfare courses that I did was um, probably one of the most, in my opinion, ethical um, ways to deal with or to, to administer charity is looking after your own backyard first. Sure. So one of the things that I'm hoping to do as part of this, and if anybody's listening who has any, uh, can sway this any which way, because I haven't, I've only really just started to dip my toes into the water um, with inquiries about this kind of thing. But wherever I deliver my seminars is to, to get in touch with the local um, army base in that area or Navy, whatever military service is prominent. And uh, in the days following the seminar to then deliver it for the veterans. That's what I'd like to do. Um, and I'm sure from my contacts we'll get that. But, uh, yeah, if anyone's would like to help out with that initiative and approach, that's what we're planning to do. So the seminars, once we can do them again, post-COVID, live events um, particularly, uh, we plan to take it overseas as well and um, to probably starting somewhere like the States and, and do the same. Sounds fantastic, Craig. Really great. So... Given everything that you're out there doing, given all this amazing knowledge that you're sharing with men, what would you say to a woman who's trying to encourage a man, her partner or someone she knows in her life to come along to one of your courses? Because I know it's a particularly it's a tough, one. tough subject to approach a man with. What would you advise them to do in getting someone to go to one of your courses or just to reach um, out to you? A good way of doing it, uh, I think, is to start to look at who some of the prominent um, men's people are, like men's inspiring people are, and and even say, try to engage with your partner or the, that man in your life uh, around some of those people. So uh, if you look into it a bit, there's some really good people right now, probably since all of the wars and things are starting to not as much of an impact on certainly in Australia, but in, in other countries, there's been some really good ex-US military guys that are quite motivating. Um, and I've had a lot of fun with this when I presented uh, 
back in September for Are You OK Day out to my friends out at the diesel depot at XBT. And I put to them, you know, who doesn't believe, you know, the point of optimism and who doesn't believe in optimism. And I played the, the Jocko Willink um, two-minute video on called Good and it's on why optimism is important and it's fascinating. So I, I really reckon get into start researching who the men's people are, Jocko Willink, uh, uh, Joe Rogan, but he's not really, I suppose, an inspirational sort of guy as such, even though he is sort of. But just getting in to know who some of those people are and, and bringing those up for discussion. Say, hey, look, there's some really good people out there and they've got some some great inspirational stuff to share and um, or, you know, I look, I came across this guy and he's got something to offer or whatever you think that is. But try to start that conversation. And I know it's difficult. Um, I've certainly um, talked to some of the people I'm working on my marketing with and said, look, we, we've got to market to men, but we've also got to market to their partners or the, the women in their lives to encourage them, particularly ones who are, you know, um, focused. Because there's so much for women and it's great. It's, they're so advanced. Like women are awesome because of all these things. And so if we can give them something to sort of help encourage the, the men in their lives to come along and do it. But what I really think that men need is something that's not showy and flashy. And there's there's some stuff out there that really doesn't hit the mark for men. And I think it's it, some of them is trying to get sem- people to be seminar junkies and some of the language and things that they use, I, I really, it turns me off. So my, my approach is to create and deliver um, self-improvement products and then therapeutically self-improvement uh, based if you like, but and scientifically based stuff, but that also is something that I'd want to go to because I don't. I, I've I've been to some of these people, and I'm not prepared to name names because I don't believe in rubbishing my competition or anything like that. Um, but whether you got to massage people and jump around, I'm sorry, but that turns me off straight away. And I'm sure I, I speak for a lot of men when I say that that's not really hitting the mark. Yeah, so. cut the fluff, right? Mm, cut the fluff. Yeah, you know, get to um, the point. Now, one of our things that we have offer is a no nonsense transformation challenge. You know, like no nonsense there's no crap it's just this is just something that you can put in place today and it'll work for you so beautiful i love that all right so one final thing Mm -hmm. uh is there anything else that you would like to say in addition to everything that you've offered today that you feel would be a great thing for the empowerment project listeners to hear in relation to just helping men in general at the moment or you know just you know being holding the space for this 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 need at the moment for men's empowerment yeah i think the empowerment for men goes a lot deeper than simply band-aids and that kind of stuff and i think that developing your own philosophy is really important okay um probably one of the things i find with rebt it's very deeply rooted in stoic philosophy uh, and the stoics probably don't get as good a rap these days as they should um but often in life a lot of our problems come from the fact that we blame external forces for it and it's not about blaming yourself for it either. That's not the you know, the solution, but we need to be better philosophers of our problems and, and realise that taking responsibility for them and means actually taking steps to do something about them, not just not beating yourself up and saying that you're to blame or somebody else that you don't like might have caused it. Nothing caused it, okay? Circumstances occurred for that to happen and accepting reality is, is a vital part of that. So I think, yeah, look, there's – so much you can do, um, but you've you just got to accept that um, you know accept yourself unconditionally and uh, you know take your problems from a, an approach like that. Yeah, well, I'm a firm believer that we are creators, not victims of our reality, and that we choose. And yeah, that's that's really wonderful. Well, I would love to share with everybody where they can find you. So please do share with us, Craig. Give us um, 
what your website is and yeah. where we can find you on social media. Okay. Um, on social media, you can find me at um, Craig Ball, Men's Mental Health Speaker. Um, my per- personal page is just Craig Ball, so I'll be one of them. Um, also, um, my website's uh, changeseminars.com. Um, also, ask craigball.com um i've got some stuff there around my corporate offerings uh the men's mental health transformation facebook group just start typing that in you'll find it pretty easily uh and you can always just email me on info um, at changeseminars.com beautiful craig it's been an absolute pleasure having you here today i've really loved our conversation and i'm really inspired and i cannot wait to share this with my listeners So I wish you well and um, to all my listeners out there, if you love what you've heard today, please rate the podcast, leave me a review or a comment on the Facebook page. And if you've got something valuable um, out of this today, please do contact Craig and um, to help you with the strategies. And um, if you would like to know more and read more on my, my blog on this podcast, you can go to www.insideoutyoga.com.au and also let me know what you'd like to hear more of and until next time be kind to yourself and each other if you have been triggered by any of the topics that we've discussed on this podcast today you can reach out to one of these foundations men's line lifeline or 1-800-RESPECT.